0: Good morning, church. Good morning. I am one of the teaching elders here at Crossroads. My name is Jeff Brookshire, or as my rapping friends call me, (laughs) J-Bro. If I had rapping friends. And uh, I'm really pleased to be here this morning and be able to uh, fill in for Rod as he is not feeling uh, very well. In fact, on uh, Friday afternoon... He uh, texted me and said, Jeff, I've got the flu. Be on the standby. And uh, then yesterday he texted me and said, today is worse than yesterday. Be on the standby. So the standby has been fully activated this morning. And uh, that's what we're going to do. One of the best decisions that I think that Crossroads ever made, in this last year anyway, uh, was to... uh, permit Rod to go on a 40-day sabbatical in the summer and then uh, to bring him on full-time. A lot of people didn't understand that Rod wasn't full-time for 12, 12 and a half years. Uh, He was working, uh, at least last year, two different jobs in addition to Crossroads just to make ends meet. And... um, The decision was made to bring him on full-time, and it's been so much fun for me to watch him as he has been on fire since he's come back from the sabbatical and working full-time. He's had plenty of time to really focus in on the vision of Christ's church and to interact with a lot of different people during the week that he just didn't have time to do before. In fact, how many of you uh, were interacting with Rod this week? You were at a meeting... Uh, small group, uh, lunch. Okay, what I'd ask you to do is, is to please quietly get up from your seat and go to the quarantine, I mean the mother's room, uh, just so that it doesn't spread <laughs> any further. So what does this have to do with the message today? Absolutely nothing. Um, I found out on Friday that I was preaching <laughs> today. Um, but the radical uh, thing that um, I want to share with you today is, is that you are a beloved child of God. And it all kind of started out with uh, last week's message. Now, it's funny to me because I usually stand out front after um, the services and different people come up to me and say, that was the best sermon that Rod's ever preached. And, and I, I say, yeah, it was great. But I sometimes I think... It was good, but I don't know that it was the best he's ever preached. Then somebody else another week will come out. That was the best sermon. that Rod Because God touches us in different ways through different sermons, right? He speaks directly to us in different ways. But for me, last week was one of the best sermons that Rod has ever preached. For me, anyway. The long and the short of it was, was that he said that when you cross the line of faith, when you become a Christ follower, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, your identity is radically changed in an instant. That it no longer matters whether what you have done or what you have said in the past. That you are no longer defined by your sins. You are no longer defined by your past decisions, no matter how stupid they may have been. No matter, or no longer are you defined by your past failures or your addictions, no matter how powerful they may have been. No longer are you defined by your problems, no matter how problematic they are. No, when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, instantly, you were radically transformed. You became a beloved child of God. I love that statement last week. That you are a child of God. That I am a child of God. And that is what defines us. Now that radical transformation of becoming a child of God is in an instant. It is not something That happens over a long period of time where you eventually become a beloved child of God. No, it comes instantly. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, instantly you become a beloved daughter of God. Instantly you become a beloved son of God. But that is not what our feelings always tell us, is it? right? Our feelings don't always tell us that we're beloved children of God. In fact, sometimes we just don't feel like we're loved. Sometimes we don't feel like we're really a child of God. But please hear me today. The Bible says, and the Bible is always true, that we are beloved children of God no matter how we feel. Our feelings do not determine the truth of God. Let me say that again until I get an amen. (laughs) Our feelings do not determine the truth of God. Thank you. I didn't want to have to say it like 15 times. And you know, and it's not only our feelings that make us sometimes question whether or not we are a child of God. Sometimes it's our thoughts where we get all of these thoughts that are rolling around in our head, right? Where we're thinking and remembering about our past sins, our past failures, our past shortcomings, our broken relationships, whatever it may be. We're thinking about those things. Those things come up in our head and we're thinking about them. And we start to question in our minds whether we are beloved children of God or not. Friends, that is stinking thinking. Period. It's stinking thinking. So I'll say it again until I get an amen. No matter what your thoughts are, you are a beloved child of God. And if you don't think you are, it's stinking thinking. Amen to that. Now we know this, right? We know this with our heads. But somehow it doesn't get into here. Somehow it doesn't translate that far, but no matter how you think or what you feel, you are a beloved child of God. And here's the beauty of God's love for us, that when we become Christ followers and become beloved children of God, God does not leave us there. Out of his great love for us, he grows us up. Out of his great love for us, He leads us to learn how to live like children of God. And that is a lifelong pursuit. The Jews in Jesus' day had um, hundreds of laws. Some of them uh, were God's laws that are found in the Old Testament, the first two-thirds of the Bible that we have but there were a whole hundreds of others that were created by the religious people of things you couldn't do. For example, they said that on the Sabbath, you couldn't wear dentures because you were technically carrying something on the Sabbath, and that was against God's law. So take out your false teeth. Thank you, Josh. (laughs) Thank you. Take out your false teeth. you're sinning, you're going to go to hell if you wear dentures on the Sabbath. They had all these laws. And so the experts of the law decided that they wanted to test Jesus. So one of them came to Jesus and said, okay, we've got all of these laws, all of them, but what is the greatest of them? What is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus said, and many of you know this, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. Boom, Jesus just nails it right on the head. He says, if you look at all of the laws, you can hang them on that first and greatest commandment to love God with everything That you have, because God has loved us first. Because God has loved us with a love that is unbelievable. We are to turn around and love God with that same kind of love. You want to know what your purpose is in life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is our greatest pursuit. And yet Jesus said, that's not just the only one I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a bonus commandment. (laughs) I'm going to give you not just the greatest. I'm going to give you the second greatest. He said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that doesn't surprise anybody, right? We're supposed to love our neighbor. We hear that in a lot of different religions. We see that in commercials on TV. We've heard it in church. But the piece that gets missing here often is love your neighbor as what? Yourself. There's a portion of it where we're supposed to love ourselves. And so that's what I want to talk about um, today. How do we love ourselves? Because you want to love yourself, but don't live for yourself. There's a difference. See, there's, there's two extremes for me. When you look at people who love themselves, on the first end of the extreme are those people who so love themselves that they're arrogant and prideful and entirely self-focused, right? You know what I'm talking about, people like that, right? They really love themselves. Well, Pastor Rod was thinking about this in his notes, and he was saying there are really three areas that he sees in this culture today that shows people who really love themselves. And the first is affluence. It comes from this Bible verse, I think. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So the first one, affluence, is the lust of the eyes. Or to put it another way, I see it, I want it. Right? Haven't you all experienced that? I see something fan new, something flashy, something trendy, and I think immediately, I see it, I want that right away. And so we come into this this lie, to be honest with you, that if we get that new thing, if we get it, somehow that increases our value. Somehow that increases our worth. If we get that brand new house, that brand new car, those brand new clothes, that brand new jewelry, whatever it may be, that somehow our worth is increased. And if somebody notices the brand new house and the brand new car, the brand new whatever, we feel like our value increases even more. Why, thank you, yes, this is a new shirt. I got it, if, if you are a female, I got it for $15 at Target, on sale, 30% off, right? I don't know why my wife always has to go through what it's cost and all that, but she does, all right? Whenever somebody notices, we think our value increases. But the truth of the matter is, is that it doesn't. Your value doesn't increase with what you have. What others think is not what you are, and what you have is not what you are, period. I mean, think about this. You know, the apostle Paul who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. Would you consider him to be valuable? Yes. This is what he wrote about himself. He said, I have nothing and yet possess everything. What about Jesus? Do you consider him to be valuable? Oh, come on, it's Jesus. (laughs) Yes, of course. He died pitiless, And yet was of great, great worth. Our worth is never going to be dependent upon uh, what we have or what others think of us. Trying to find your worth in that way is just like trying to chase the wind. We know that up here somehow we've just got to get it down in here the second area that pastor rod was identifying in our culture today was appearance that's what the bible calls the lust of the flesh now obviously when it says lust of the flesh it is talking about sex that's a part of it where one is basically saying i want I see her, I want her, I see him, I want him. And Jesus made it very clear in the Sermon on the Mount that even when we have lustful thoughts, we are committing adultery. So there is that sexual part of it, but it's even more than that. Your value is never going to be increased by sexual conquest. Your value doesn't go up. You don't become more worthwhile. Nor does a ring on your finger or someone hanging on your arm. Your value is already set. You are a beloved child of God. But it goes even further than that. You can also have an unhealthy um, fascination with yourself, right? Right? I have two uh, individuals in my life. One of them, neither one of them is my wife. So let's just be clear on that up front. But I have two individuals in my life that will not leave the house until the makeup is perfect and the hair is perfect. Will not leave the house. Now, I have been at times, we've been late Getting somewhere, and I've been outside of the room going, Come on already. It's got to be good enough. You've been in there for hours, right? Come on. Sometimes we get that way, all of us. But no amount of hair products, no amount of makeup, no amount of body sculpting, nipping and tucking, or liposucking. Can I say that in church? It's going to make a difference in your worth. You are a beloved child of God. It's something that we know in our heads, but somehow it just doesn't get down in here. And it's got to get down in here because then we discover our worth. The third area that Pastor Rod identified was accomplishment. It's what the Bible calls the pride of life. Or another way of putting it is, I am great because I have done great things. I am great because I have done great things. And usually, it's not just I am great because I've done great things, but usually it's I'm great because... I've done things lately that were great. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have annual evaluations? Okay, I do too. Um, My boss, Dana, who is great, by the way. She's a great boss. I'm not just saying that because this is recorded and put on the web. But Dana is a great boss, and she does my annual evaluation, but she leaves parts out. Uh, that I don't quite understand. She leaves parts out that I think are quite important. For example, never once has she mentioned that in fifth grade I was Citizen of the Year and got a plaque and a ribbon, and now I'm 55 years old and I still have the plaque and the ribbon. Citizen of the Year. She never mentions that when I was in high school, I sang a lot, it was a drama. And she never mentions all these medals and ribbons that I got at competitions. One, I went, I went all the way to state. Got a silver, not a gold, but still I went to state. She never mentions that. She doesn't seem to care. Never once does she mention That I got a plaque when I finished high school that listed all of the letters that I got in sports, in cross-country and track and managing basketball. Never once does she seem to care about that, and the thing that really blows me out of the water is that she doesn't seem to care that in 2013 I was declared the employee of the year. Come on! I was the employee of the year in 2013, What are you asking me what I did in 2019? I'm the employee of the year, 2013. Leave me alone. Give me off tens, right? She doesn't seem to care about what happened in the past. What she's concerned about is how well did you do or what did you do in 2019? So even though you accomplished something, Really is, it's all about what have you accomplished lately? What have you done for me lately? As one old singer used to sing. So, trying to find your worth in accomplishments just is like chasing the wind. We know it up here, but somehow it hasn't gotten down here. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in our appearance that we should look the best that we can. I'm not saying that we should just give up on our appearance altogether, never wear makeup, never do our hair. In fact, I went to uh, get my hair cut yesterday because I knew I was going to be preaching today and they gave me the normal McDonald's haircut with the golden arches, right? I went because I wanted to look the best that this can look. Uh, for preaching and, and teaching. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with being successful and winning awards. There's nothing wrong with affluence and becoming rich and using those resources that you have for the glory of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're looking for those things to give you worth, you're always going to fall short. Please hear me. There are people who find themselves not on that extreme but on the other extreme in what I call a basement. Now that's one word, not a-basement but you could use it that way because the basement is where? In the lowest part of the house. It's not the penthouse. You never put the basement on top of the penthouse. The basement's in the bottom. And so there are people who don't really love themselves. What they do is they loathe themselves. They don't like how they look. They don't like how they sound. They don't like... um, where they live. They don't like that they live in subsidized housing when our culture celebrates those who lives in mansions. They don't like what they drive. They don't like having to drive this beat up Saturn in a world that celebrates luxury vehicles. They don't like that they are introverts in a world that celebrates extroverts. They don't like the fact that they don't have any talents or skills that are popular today. And so they loathe themselves. They also have an unhealthy uh, fascination with themselves because they're always thinking about what they're not. But they loathe themselves. Friends, listen to me. I'll try to say this clearly. I don't care how you look. You are a beloved child of God. I don't care how you sound. You are a beloved child of God. I don't care what you drive. You are a beloved child of God. I don't care where you live. You are a beloved child of God. I don't care if you don't have any talents whatsoever. You are a beloved child of God. I don't care if you're introverted or extroverted or somewhere in between, you are a beloved child of God, period. That's what I love about Crossroads. We believe in the value of each and every person who comes into this house. We believe in the value of people, their their intrinsic worth, In fact, that's why we boldly say in our motto, no perfect people allowed. We used to have shirts that had that printed up and there'd be some people say, well, I can't come to your church then. Like, okay. (laughs) There's plenty of other churches that will take you. What do we mean by that? What do we mean by that? We mean we're not gonna look down on each other Because of our imperfections, because we all have imperfections. Nobody here is perfect, so we're not going to look down on anybody else who's imperfect. We're going to love them, we're going to see value in them, and we're going to help them walk the journey that Christ Jesus has called them to walk. So love yourselves. Love yourselves, not in a prideful, arrogant way, But love yourselves in a humble way because the God of the great universe loves you. On your handout and on the screen, there are two different categories. The first category is I refuse to believe the lie that I am. Now, this is homework for you. I don't expect you to fill it out right now what I want you to do is, is, this afternoon, sit down and just write out, I refuse to believe the lie that I am, and you fill in the blank, unlovable because of the way that I look, whatever. I refuse to believe the lie that I am, and then secondly, I embrace the truth that God says I am, and then you fill in that blank. The goal is, is that as you write out the lies and then you write out the truth the goal is that the the truths will start to grow and grow as you walk in christ and the lies that we believe will grow smaller and smaller and smaller because of the truth of the gospel of jesus christ that's your homework don't just throw your uh, program away Take it home and do the homework because this is powerful stuff that will help you get to a place where you can love others so that you can love, so you can love yourself so you can love others. Let's return to the scripture we started out with. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you do yourself. Do you see what can happen when you love yourself in a healthy way? You're able to do what? Love others, right? You're able to love your neighbor more. You're able to be more sensitive to their needs, be more sensitive to caring for them and loving them and embracing their worth. So love yourself but do not live with the lie that you should live for yourself. In Galatians 2.20 it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who what, who what, loved me and gave himself for me. Today we have a wonderful gift, and I'm so excited about this. Today we have a testimony, a video testimony. Chris Kubiak has uh, given us his testimony. I guess it was like 40 minutes long. 20-something. Okay. Um, we're going to show five minutes of it. But if you want the full version right here, and I'm thinking you're going to want it after seeing this. So check this out.
1: Hey, guys. I'm Chris Kubiak. I'm here to give my testimony. Hope you like it. I think back in, well, back in high school, I was, a, I, was a, I was a great sportsman. I had won state in wrestling and done all these things, but I never felt... Uh, there was like a disconnect um, it kind of like started at home life was kind of was kind of rough and there's things that was, that was happening behind the scenes that you know it seemed like it was okay because I was pretending like everything was fine because I didn't want anybody to know the pain that was really going on and so I excelled in like the, my escape was my sports and my academics like I just wanted to go to school because I didn't want to be home maybe it's from my experience um, of, of not feeling like I was good enough um, and all the way to the, the the guilt of having taken somebody's life. Um, well, when I got out, I ended up getting married. Um, I, I was I was I was uh, engaged in in Christianity uh, in in the church, and it was going pretty well. So so I thought, but I always had these these suicidal thoughts, and these thoughts that were just so pervasive in my mind. Like I never. Everything seemed better than this life. Even though I believed in Christ, I believe in God and all that stuff, it, it was all head knowledge. It never really sank into my heart. Yeah, I, ne- I, never, I never understood why, why Jesus did what he had to do. Um, it always seemed like I was, I, I was kind of a still a burden to him because um, back, back before, just a couple months ago, I, I just thought that I was a sinner that was saved. Which still left me sin conscience, left me completely aware of my sinfulness. But it's like, well, this—you know—this dude had to die for you. That's that hurt. That hurt me to think about. was it. like God, that only left me feeling more guilty. <laughs> but that's not why he died. Just because I'm a sinner, he—he he died to give me my identity. He—he he died to redeem that quality that we had first back in the garden when Adam and Eve—they had that walk, that one-on-one communion with—with—with with, with our God. And, and whenever that sin happened, we lost who we were. We lost our identity. We, we lost our purpose. And, we, and I was trying to find who I was through everything else because I didn't have that communication with God. I didn't accept it. I didn't receive it. I didn't know how to. And so I was trying to fill it with drugs, alcohol, sex, um, any kind of lustful thing, uh, pornography. I was trying to fill it with anything that would try to make me have any, type, any kind of momentary happiness that's um, not joy So you don't care. <laughs> And so finally, finally, he he had me stumble across these these two people, to where I've I've always heard of the love of Jesus, but I've never, I can't say never, but in the way that I needed to see Jesus explained or viewed uh, through my eyes to understand it, I saw it in these two people that I was uh, I, that I was listening to, and I just ended up having to watch them, and I saw the love of Jesus like sh- coming through that phone, and it just reached me, and then I was able to listen with my heart and has received the love of, of Christ for the first time. And it was from that moment on that this transformation has just poof, shot to the moon. And um, I would have to say that the biggest thing is that I'm free from those thoughts. Um, I'm no longer who I thought that I was. I'd heard this saying uh, before that really sunk in my head. I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am, but I am, I am who I think that you think that I am. And that kind of really stuck with me because, like, I am what I think that you think that I am, and it made so much of an impact on me. I believed it, but now because of what God has done, I'm no longer what you think I am. What I think I am, I'm free for myself, and that is the most important thing. Is I'm free from me, and to be, and what that means to me is that because I am free from me, I'm free to love because I'm Jesus's now. I'm I'm, I'm His, and. And if I'm free from me, in so many words, like I'm free from you. Like I'm free from you. I'm free from your judgment. I'm free from, from your condemnation. I'm free from my condemnation. And that leaves so much room in my mind for love and and for compassion and understanding, not only toward you, but mainly toward myself. Something that I never wanted to receive or knew how to accept. But now I'm able to, by the grace of God, is the only thing that I can say is like, I'm, I'm finally receiving it. I don't just know it in my head, I, I have it in my heart. And I've never made that transition at all. I couldn't, I, and so I can only describe it as being God's grace in my life, transforming power that He just overtaken, he's overtaken who, who I am. And I'm dying to myself daily, like the Bible says, and I'm just so free, for the most part. And even even if I have a bad day, that's still okay because it's no longer con- uh, condemnation that I feel. It's no longer that condemning. Who are that? You're just an idiot. You're stupid. No, 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 no. There's there's this voice that overtakes all that, and it says, "You are righteous. You are loved. You are a saint. You are redeemed. You you are loved."
0: I love it when you say, you know, I'm free for me. (laughs) I'm free from others. I'm free to be in Christ. That is awesome. You know, you have to come to the end of yourself to really discover yourself. You have to be free from yourself to really discover who you are and the identity that God has created for you. And so today, if you are not a Christ follower, and you've been hearing about how you can become a beloved child of God, I invite you to pray with me to receive Jesus and make that step of faith. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you did die for us. You gave everything for us so that we could be called the children of God. And I pray, Almighty God, for those today who do not know the joy of being a beloved child of God, that do not know what it's like to feel love and joy and peace unspeakably. I pray, Lord, that you will hear them now as they simply say, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you are the Savior. I will follow you as my Lord. Lord, I thank you for that simple profession. And I thank you, Lord, that as they made it, you instantly made them a beloved child of God. Please teach us, Lord, all of us, how to live into that fact, to remove the lies, and to embrace the truth of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.